everybody, and welcome to Blackhawks on Tap. I am Tony Marchese. Tonight, joined by Ron Luce. Ron, how you doing tonight, my friend? I'm not too bad, man. Not too bad for a little Monday night, talking a little Sunday hockey Blackhawks. So um, I can never complain, and it's always fun when we get a chance to do these. So how about you, sir? How you doing? Oh, not too bad, Ron. Uh, I'd be doing a lot better if uh, Hawks didn't lose that in the shootout last night. But um, getting uh, getting settled in here for the uh, for the week, and it's going to be a, a nice matchup in uh, Vegas tomorrow night, and we'll talk about that. But uh, let's uh, let's dive right into this game, and then we've got some call ups to talk about, some injury news, and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, first things first, Hawks fall in the shootout to the Arizona Coyotes last night on Sunday. I was the only member of the Four Feathers crew that wasn't in attendance. I hope you guys enjoyed the game despite the outcome. Uh, but 4-3 is your final uh, with the with the Hawks taking the loss there. And just getting into this game, Ron, I want to talk a little bit uh, about Jonathan Taves and Alex DeBrinkett getting on the board nice and early for the Hawks. And how was it in the crowd when uh, when the boys took a 2-0 lead? Uh, it, was, it was buzzing. People were excited. Uh you know, I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was, you know, wasn't excited seeing, you know, Taves get on the board early. Um, incredible, incredible play by Calvin DeHaan to carry that puck into the zone and set Taves up right in front of the net. And then, you know, an incredible pass by Patrick Kane finds a wide open to bring it. He's able to just walk in and put a beautiful shot over Kemper's shoulder. Um, you know, that's what they showed on the, uh, the, the little heat chart that they do now at the games for goalies. Uh, is that Kemper is not good high glove side. So, um, you know, seeing Dabrinkit take advantage of that was, was certainly something uh, splendid to see without a doubt. But, you know, the, it felt good. Uh, the, the, they looked like the better team, you know, in the in those first 10 or so minutes of the game. Um, and then it, it really felt like things kind of changed there a little bit. Yeah, and uh, just that, uh, that Alex Dabrinkit goal did come on the power play. Um, just wanted to mention that there. But what a thing of beauty! I think you kind of you kind of touched on that. He, he found Debrinket kind of going behind the defenders with a nice little saucer pass, and man, that thing! You know, I wasn't in the crowd, but I saw it on TV, and it just looked so pretty. And it was it was a nice goal there. You get Kane the assist, and you got your big three on the board nice and early. And that's something that Johnny and I had been hammering home all week. Um, these guys got to score; they got to score points. And right there, they did it. So uh, I think everybody in our little group was happy. But then, yeah, you're right. This game turned around real quick. And, and the Coyotes just kind of – they got back on the board uh, with a Christian Fisher goal um, about 11 minutes in. Uh, that was uh, right after DeBrinkett scored. Uh, Schmaltz got the assist on that one. I'm pretty sure you guys were all happy to see that as well as I was. Um <laughs> And then, uh, then you got Kabali coming up to uh, pretty much close the period out to take a three-one lead into the second, and this is where the game kind of really went south for the Hawks. Here is uh, Connor Garland uh, gets a power play goal, uh, six minutes thirty-two seconds in the second, and then another power play. Carl Soderberg ties the game up three-three at eight fifty-three in the second period as well, and then there was no scoring in the third. But that kind of just sucked the life it seemed like out of the Hawks, except for one man, and that's. Robin Leonard. Let's talk a little bit about how impactful his performance was through the end of overtime. Let's say that. 
Yeah, he was an absolutely incredible. Obviously, the numbers speak for themselves. 44 saves and 47 shots on goal for the Arizona Coyotes. Um, you know, the Blackhawks themselves did not do so hot in the shot department, did not break three, uh, excuse me, 30 goals, 30 shots on goal. I wish they broke 30 goals. Um, but 29 shots on net for the night for them. Um, you know, it just, the Coyotes, again, early on, it looked good, you know. And then that, you mentioned that Fisher goal. Uh, that line was just tantalizing Chicago fans all night long because um, for those that don't know, obviously Nick Schmaltz was a Blackhawk, but both Christian Dvorak and Christian Fisher are local guys. They both grew up in the Chicagoland area. Uh, most notably, actually, Christian Dvorak grew up about a town and a half over from where I am right now uh, in Payless Heights. So he is, um, you know, seeing those guys kind of connect was not only a kick in the gut from a Schmaltz perspective, but then a kick in the gut from a, a Chicago land gets perspective, but you know, just quickly talking and touching on him, you know, Kubelik's goal, great job by Murphy getting the, the puck on net to get that tip. And then just some dumb penalties really is what allowed the, the coyotes to climb back into this. Because as you mentioned, both of those second period goals for the Yotes, both power play markers. Um, but outside of that, I think Robin Lehner made the save of the year <laughs> last night. Yep. Um, you know, for, for those of you that, unfortunately may just have not been able to get on social media or weren't able to catch the game. I get life happens, but if you have a chance, go check out the highlight. It was incredible, you know, action in front of the, you know, Blackhawks net. The D was caught up with some of the action on the other side of the ice and a puck just somehow squeaked its way through to a wide open Clayton Keller on the, uh, that right wing side when you're looking at the goal and Robin Lehner just went old school, you know, Pad shuffled, high glove, just robbery, highway robbery on Clayton Keller. Clayton Keller couldn't do anything but, uh, you know, kind of lean over on his knees, bent over just because he couldn't believe it. But um, Robin Lehner definitely by far was the Blackhawks' best player the whole game last night. Uh, and I would say probably a close second is the captain. But, yeah, wow. I'm, I mean, Tony, what was that like just seeing it on TV? Because I can tell you right now how loud it got after that save. I don't think I've seen an applause like that for a save in a long time. Man, you know, uh, that was old school, cool and tough right there, in my opinion. It was just such an incredible save. You said it's save of the year candidate. Um, I I didn't think he was going to grab that with the glove. I thought he was going to kick it. And when it wound up in the glove, and I mean, this was a split second save, Ron. You know those kind of saves where the goalie just throws his arm up and it it winds up in the glove and you didn't even see the puck leave the stick or enter the glove. So, you know, as soon as I realized that that was not in the back of the net, I, I, my jaw dropped. I was just in utter shock. Um, I I can't remember the last time I've seen a save like that, uh, let alone, you know, just been that amazed by one. I know Crawford's had a ton but I don't think they were that picturesque. You know, this looked like video game chell, you know, where you're like, how the hell did that guy merge <laughs> across the goal and, like, wind up with this puck? I have no freaking clue. So, yeah, I mean, my mind was blown by that save and just absolutely incredible work to keep the team in the game because you know, I think he made two spectacular saves, but a whole ton of other ones. Um, you know, without Robin Leonard, you're not getting a point here tonight. Agreed. Agreed 100%. I mean, Robin Lehner was by far the most clutch player for the team. Uh, You know, as you noted about that save, it was absolutely incredible. But, um, you know, something I think worth mentioning, too, 
um, you know, was the the play of the defense because a lot of critical injuries. Obviously, Duncan Keith is out. Ole Mata still isn't totally himself yet, so he's out. So, you know, really they're down to their seventh and eighth defenseman. Dennis Gilbert played last night. Uh, only 11 minutes of ice time for him, but a big part of that was because 17 minutes of that was spent by him uh, sitting in the locker room waiting for his uh, 10-5 and a 2 to, to expire. Um, you know, and then Slater Cuckoo was in the lineup as well, only played 16 minutes. The top four for the Blackhawks all playing over 20 minutes. Lowest of those top four was Brent Seabrook with 21, just over 21 minutes played. Connor Murphy played almost 28 minutes uh, with Calvin Nahan in second with uh, about 26 and a half and then Gustafson around 23 and some change. I mean, you know, that has to make you wonder too because clearly, you know, when, when Seabrook and, and Gus are your – you know, three and four in terms of defenseman time on ice, you know that it's a very just depleted defense. And, and Laner was really able to come up big uh, for the Hawks to even, like you said, get them through that overtime period and ultimately into the shootout. Well, yeah, and and that's I think I think you said it right the right way there. That's a testament to their efforts. This team so severely misses Duncan Keith, and it shows. Um, I, I think this this is probably another win here. If you had a, f- a fully healthy lineup, um, mm-hmm. but you know you got to win games despite players being out, and uh, you know they came up a little bit short here. But Ron, I think it was I think it was a really good effort, and, and they were pretty lucky to come away with a point because uh, you know Robin Lander, the defense, they they played some pretty solid games, but uh, you know they they came up on the short end of the stick in a shootout. What are you going to do about it? It's, it's unfortunate here, and we're going to talk about the shootout uh, to a, a greater extent here in just a moment. But, Ron, one thing that uh, I want to touch back on the offense here, you're not going to get anywhere when you're skating Kirby Doc only eight minutes, and that was less than Nylander and Sakura got, and that's really disappointing to me. What the hell is with this usage, Ron? I, it's driving me nuts. Yeah, I was a little concerned by it as well, just because I think that fourth line last night was honestly one of their better lines. Now, I think some of that usage was due to the amount of shorthanded ice time that the Hawks had um, because they don't have Kirby Doc killing penalties. For example, Ryan Carpenter was on the ice for six and a half minutes of shorthanded time. Obviously, some of that was in the overtime period as well, but... You know, anytime that you have, you know, Jonathan Taves on the ice for almost four minutes shorthanded, Camp over four minutes shorthanded, you know, Murphy seven and a half, almost eight minutes shorthanded, that just goes to show how much PK time they had. And I think that played a little bit into Doc's usage. But then, you know, I really do believe that line was probably one of their best lines last night. Obviously, they didn't get on the score sheet, but, you know, every time they'd bring the puck in, Zach Smith looked really good offensively. It was probably his best game um, from a non-scoring perspective, but just an offensive generation perspective. You know, really carrying the puck and getting good shots on net. Uh, Ryan Carpenter, same thing, going into the corners, doing a good job. Doc looked good. Um, I think if this game isn't, you know, spent for them half of the time being in the penalty box, he's probably closer to that 11 minute mark, uh, maybe even 12 minutes. But even then, you know, when that fourth line is rolling, I wouldn't even be mad about giving them more shifts just because, yeah, obviously, especially when you're at home because you can control the matchups. You know, that's 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 the time to play that fourth line, especially when they're generating for you. Um, But obviously, you know, especially at times they, they felt like they needed to bolster and 
you know, play their big guns when they needed to. You know, it, it's nice seeing guys like Saad getting almost 18 minutes of ice time. Tabe's played well over 21 minutes. Uh, Dylan Strome playing 19 minutes of ice time. Don't hate that either. But, um, you know, I, I would like to see them. And you know what? I wouldn't honestly mind, especially in situations like last night, you know, where guys like maybe Alex Nylander kind of disappear, you know, maybe you, you allow Kirby Doc to get a shift in on the wing somewhere. You know, maybe you let him kind of, you know, shift around a little more throughout the game. Um, obviously, I like him playing center. That's how he's going to learn his natural position at the NHL level. But, you know, if it's late in the game and, you know, maybe they just got done killing a penalty and sod and camp for on the ice, why not shift? you know doc on the wing with let's say Taves and Kubalik. I don't think that's a terrible idea but I agree um 8 minutes is is unfortunate I would like to see that number be closer to 11 and a half to 12 in a perfect world again doesn't help when you're ish, you know shorthanded for what felt like half of the game but um you know hopefully that that hopefully that changes now going forward uh with these next four games that are coming up yeah, I'm a firm believer that Kirby Doc should be on the ice at least 11 to 14 minutes a night, Ron. And maybe maybe that's a little bit more than what you think he should be out there, but I don't see a reason why he's up on this team if he could be in Rockford playing close to 18, 20 minutes, I would think, if he was down in the AHL right now. Yeah, I'm more of a fantasy and Kirby Doc play up here because I believe that he is an NHL caliber, caliber player Excuse me, right now, but... Don't use him eight minutes a night and then go to him third in the shootout. Like, if you have enough faith and talent that he's a goal scorer right now for you and uh, shooting above the brinket in, in a shootout against the Arizona Coyotes here, which we saw and we'll talk more about in a minute, but if, if you're going to consider him one of your top three guys there, why is he the, the lowest amount of minutes of time on ice out of everybody, including who's a uh, 4A HL type player? Um, and then, uh, you know, he's, he's just, he's below everybody. I shouldn't even need to list who he's below. He's below everybody tonight. I don't think that that's effective. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to say it's going to hurt his growth, but I think it would help a little bit more if he was out there. And I think it's time to bump him up just a little bit. We've seen him come up in big moments so far. I want to see him come up more. And when he's only on the ice eight minutes, you barely get to notice this kid. I think he needs to be utilized just a little bit heavier. Yeah, agreed. And I, I mean, I, I know we talked about it, you know, early in the season when we were having this discussion of whether he'd stay up or not. And this is kind of the argument that a lot of the people that said send him back to Saskatoon made. And I know I even thought about it too. Was like, if he's only going to play eight minutes a night, is that really helping his growth? Where you know he goes back to the Saskatoon Blades and is probably playing 20, 20 to twenty five minutes a night, depending on how the game goes. You know, obviously he'd be bum slaying right now in the WHL, but, you know, it's not necessarily hurting him either. So I agree. I, I mean, I would honestly not even be mad if he was playing 14 minutes a night either. Um, you know, maybe more in like a third line capacity than a fourth line capacity. I would be all for it. I, I think he gives you more scoring than David Camp does right now as a third line center. So um, I don't think it hurts to try him. I, I mean, you have enough depth in the bottom six where you can shuffle guys around and try different things out. So it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see how they use him now going forward. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand it. I, I think you're right there. He does provide more scoring than than Camp does, 
Uh, I think he does a lot of things very well, and I'd like to see him eventually start to work his way up towards the at least to solidify a spot on the third line, if not get some second line, first line minutes, even as a plug and play kind of guy at some point this year, because I think that's exactly where he's going to end up. I don't think they drafted him to be a third, fourth line, bottom bottom six guy. I think he's profiles more as a top top six forward. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's the face-off thing, and they're trying to keep him, uh, you know, some friendly matchups for him. Who knows? I don't know what it is at this point in time. But, um, you know, I, I just, I'd like to see him play a lot more. Now, let's get to the shootout, Ron. Um, not pretty. Not pretty at all. Uh, Rob O'Leaner not good in the shootouts. He's even said it before himself that he's absolutely awful in the shootouts, just not something he's good at. He was quoted as saying it has to do with the guys slowing down. He can stop anybody on a breakaway during the game, but when they get the chance to slow down and pick their spot, he has a lot of trouble with it. Ron, everybody on Twitter is talking about should we bring in Crawford for the shootouts if Leonard's, you know, even even throw <laughs> pitch a shutout in, in regulation through overtime. Um, I don't know. I kind of, I'm on the fence personally, but I want to hear where you take this and what your thoughts are on Robin Lehner in the shootout. Cause we all know what the outcome was here. Yeah. The, it, I mean, admittedly the shootout is a different beast from game action. And, you know, I think you see like some goalies who are really, really good struggle in the shootout. It's not just Robin Lehner across the league. That one's just right now the most documented because we so closely followed the Blackhawks, you know, but and then there's some goalies who are like eh, average NHL goaltenders who rock in shootouts. And it's just it's I know I'm going to get a half of, you know, NHL fans backlash, but it's not real hockey. I'm sorry. I, do I do I think it's interesting? Sure. Do I like watching the stars be able to kind of show their moves off? Sure. But in fairness, that's kind of why you implemented the three on three was so the stars could show off their moves in a real game action scenario. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Robin Lehner looks great in overtime. Robin Lehner looks great at five on five, you know, shorthanded on the power play, whatever. It just, in fairness, when you're one on O, it's a different ball game. And sure, there's there's guys in the league that are good at it. Corey Crawford's actually fairly good at shootouts. I think his career save percentage is just below 70%, which is very good. I think he's like 67-ish. And that's, in a shootout is very, very good. You know, so it's just, I don't know, it's tough because you look at this and you're like, you know, well, does this truly, do do shootouts truly, you know, still need to be in the game? I think the three-on-three overtime is so exciting that, you know, you could play a 10-minute three-on-three overtime and probably get a winner. You know what I mean? But that's that's a whole other conversation. We'll probably have to save that for a Four Feathers episode. But, you know, I I know they've pitched it before, and I know they've mentioned the whole Corey Crawford coming in idea. I know Laner's even said he would be okay with it too, which, I mean, it's just a guy that's a team player. He's brutally honest. He's not afraid to sugar – you know, he's not going to sugarcoat anything. He's like, I suck in the shootout. What do you want me to do? He goes, I'm improving. I'm trying to improve on it. He's like, I'm not going to just sit here and, you know, whine about it. He goes, but – you know, if Colleton came down the bench and told me that they were going to put Crow in Ford, he's like, I wouldn't be mad about that either. And I mean, if it gets to a point in the season where you go into another one and, you know, maybe you're you're still kind of clawing for a playoff spot, why not? Just give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of admittedly, I think it's kind of unfair to Crow just from the standpoint of you're so cold just sitting there and then you're asked to come in and stop three guys without anybody, you know, defending them. 
so there's there's kind of that side of it you have to weigh too so i don't know i mean perfect case scenario the hawks just don't go to any more shootouts this year but um it seems like this year we're seeing a lot more shootouts than we did last year uh at this time with the three-on-three i don't know if teams are just changing their you know how they play in the three-on-three or what but you know hopefully i'm just hoping laner can figure it out you know even if he's a 50 percent guy in the shootout at least you have a little more of a chance i mean you know, and in, in fairness, both of those moves last night, last night were good moves. You no, know, Nick Schmaltz coming on the forehand backhand was a nice move. That probably gets most goaltenders. Doesn't matter who it is there in the shootout. Um, and then Garland's, he just kind of froze him. You know, really, if I was had perfect angle watching it as he went down ice, and he just kind of sat there and froze him, and then just kind of literally just kind of flipped it over his shoulder. He really didn't do a whole lot. So, you know, it, it was nice to see Kane score. Obviously, it would have been nice to see Doc score and keep it going, but um, it is what it is. At least they still get a point if there's a silver lining to it. But, um, yeah, I just – I don't know. I, I've never been a fan of the shootout to begin with, so I, I wouldn't be against abolishing it altogether. But, like I said, we can save that for a Four Brothers episode. Yeah, and this is this came up last time. Uh, Robin Lehner lost a shootout, and Johnny and I had the post game. And uh, one of the things I said, Ron, and maybe you can uh, – Feel feel free to agree with me, but you don't end baseball games in extra innings with a home run derby, and I, right. I feel like that's a fair comparison here. It's a skills competition, and that's what it comes down to. Um, and I think you're completely correct. It's not real hockey. I'm a big fan of the three on three. One thing to touch on, though, I don't think this was a full fair three on three. You had two penalties taken uh, during the overtime. And you had two four-on-three power plays, and I think that really changes the way that the teams play um, from a defensive standpoint. They kind of tighten up and throw two defenders out there, um, and that really limits the way the game is played uh, because it's not just a track meet back and forth anymore. It becomes a dump game uh, for the defensive team because they can ice it. And the offensive team just kind of hovers it around and, and passes it around the zone, as we saw what the Hawks did. Um, and weren't really able to generate anything outside of the one shot that uh, Jonathan Tate should have been able to put away on the rebound there. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen, but I think you go back to a good point. If the Hawks don't want to lose shootouts, put one in the net during regulation or overtime, and we'll mm-hmm. uh, we'll win them there. All right, Ron, any other closing thoughts from this game uh, against the Arizona Coyotes? Um, just want people to not lose hindsight of who they played. I know historically – Playing the Coyotes was playing a basement team, you know, pretty much since 2012, um, which was really the last time the Yotes were actually a good team statistically. Um, they're back. They're a legitimate team this year. They're first in the Pacific Division right now. So don't, don't as a Blackhawks fan, get down on them losing to the Coyotes. This is not the Coyotes of old um, that, you know, the Blackhawks would, you know, just pound every single time they played. So, a very deep, very good team, and um, you know they have an opportunity to get a little bit of a revenge game here. Uh, not tomorrow when they start their trip out west, but on Thursday night uh, they'll be back in Arizona taking on this exact same Coyotes team. So don't get don't get discouraged, Hawks fans. It's not like they lost to the Ottawa Senators. Yep, and uh, I, I pretty much echo that as well. Um, I, I thought they played them fairly well, especially early on, and I think that. Uh, uh, the memories will uh, will be fresh in their mind, uh, getting beaten a shootout uh, when they take on the Coyotes on Thursday. We got one more game before that, Ron. We'll preview that real quick. The Chicago Blackhawks, like you said, they're heading out to Vegas to face off against the Golden Knights. 
The Knights are 15, 12, and 5. The Hawks are coming in 12, 12, and 6. Very nice, even number. Uh, all divisible by 3. 3, 3, 3. We know what that is. That's Pat Foley's favorite. Um, so I think the Hawks have a nice little lucky record as they're heading into uh, to Vegas. Uh, maybe they should uh, maybe you should play some bets on the Hawks. What do you think? Um, I would put about a grand on, um, oh, I don't know. Number that was hitting really well for me the last time I was at a casino was 27. So I uh, put some money on 27 on the roulette table and see what happens. There you go. All right, Ron. Uh, what? Uh, let's get a little preview here. What are you thinking for, for Tuesday night's game? I'm feeling pretty good about Tuesday night's game, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, this is still a very good Vegas Golden Knights team. There's no denying that. Uh, a very deep team at that. I actually have the statistics right in front of me. They have five forwards that are in the 20-point range already. Um, you know, nobody to the same scoring extent as like a Patrick Kane, um, but they're very balanced. You know, Max Pacioretty, Riley Smith, William Carlson, Marcheseau Stone. You know, those are their big five. Um, but this is a defense that these Hawks forwards can take advantage of. Um, you know, they're good defense. They're not a great defense, and I don't think they really have a superstar defenseman. You know, obviously, Dunks isn't the same player he was, but Dunks is still kind of that quote-unquote superstar defenseman, whereas, you know, the closest things they really have to one are either Nate Schmidt or Shea Theodore, both very good defensemen in their own right. You know, but this is a team that they can take advantage of if they play their cards right. Uh, We saw it, you know, just a couple weeks ago when they beat Vegas, you know, 5-3, even though Vegas, you know, quality you know outshot them um i think big help will honestly come from adam boakfast being called up and that was something i know we we wanted to get to and i think this is a great time to bring that up him and matthew highmore recalled because of andrew shaw going on long-term injured reserve um he cannot be activated until december 27th which will actually be a home game for the blackhawks i believe they played the islanders if i remember correctly and uh, so that frees up some cap space. About $3.9 million in cap space becomes free. So now they can call up Bokefist and Highmore. I think you see Highmore come in. I think Highmore maybe takes Nylander's spot, to be entirely honest. I think Nylander has disappeared over the last few games, hence the uh, little line shakeup of having Kubelik play on the top line instead of Nylander. So I think, you know, insert Highmore. You have guys like Carpenter and Smith, and you have a lot of speed. And I think Highmore is going to bring additional speed and in, in, in the bottom six role. And then on you know defense, you have another puck moving offensive defenseman. I, I think he's probably going to get a look. Uh, he being Adam Bokfist, I think he's going to get a look over Dennis Gilbert. So um, it doesn't make me happy that it means Slater Cuckoo probably is still in the lineup unless Olimata magically feels better tomorrow. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it's going to be refreshing to see Bokfist up for another game. So um, I have to think they're going to give the net to Crow. I think they just like kind of the rotation that they got going with them right now, kind of one-on, one-off. So um, assuming Corey's in net and, you know, Bokefist and, and Highmore make their way into the lineup, I think they'll, they can win this game. I think it's going to be close, though. I would expect like a 4-3 or a 5-4 type game. I, I wouldn't expect the Hawks to be winning by, you know, three or four goals or vice versa. So I'm going to go ahead and be positive and take a Hawks win. I mean, this is a team that's got points now in three straight games, one, two of those last three, obviously, on the road. They, they've played well on the road lately, so maybe they'll be able to keep that road streak going as long as they don't catch that classic Vegas flu uh, when they get to Vegas here. But I think they'll be okay, and um, hopefully they can take some winning momentum then into that game on Thursday. 
Yeah, you know, I think this is going to be an interesting game for the Hawks. Uh, we saw them beat Boston. Uh, we saw them beat New Jersey, come home and, and play a pretty decent game against another really good team in the Arizona Coyotes. So the Hawks are no stranger to facing really good teams right now, and I think Vegas still qualifies uh, despite the uh, the little bit of a drop-off in what they've been able to do this year versus years prior. But uh, still a very good team. You listed off a ton of really good players on that squad, and you know those are all names that they're going to have to watch out for. And, Ron, I think, I think beating Vegas this year – has given them a little bit of a confidence boost, a little monkey off their back, uh, so to speak, when, when they go up against these guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for the Hawks to play them good. I, I kind of see this going into another overtime game, uh, maybe another loss for the Hawks here, but a very well-fought battle. Um, I just think that it's got the writing on the wall, and the Hawks have been have been playing these teams very tightly. Uh, just seems to be unable to finish on some some quality scoring opportunities to get the job done. But we all know when you're getting pucks in that good things happen. Hedio's told me that a hundred million times in my life. So I feel like uh, they keep doing that. You never know what's going to happen. But um, this one's going to be close. I think uh, I'm going I'm going five four uh, Vegas in overtime. Um, that's that's kind of how I see this happening because. I don't know. I just don't feel like we're we're coming out with a win here, but uh, I do see goals from from the regulars that we've been seeing so far. Uh, Alex DeBrinket's working on himself a nice little point streak here. Uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taves, I believe he has one as well. Um, he seems to be finding the back of the net. I don't know if the shootout. Yeah, I would think that was a shootout that he scored in, but uh, he he seems to be finding the back of the net fairly consistently. Kane is Kane. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see uh, some secondary scoring kind of help pick them up a little bit here. But uh, it's been it's been nice to see the big guns on the board a lot lately. And I think that needs to continue, and I think it will. Um, Ron, who are you going with for your stick-to-click tomorrow, though? Uh, it's a good one. Um, you know, I, I'm tempted to take the captain. Um, but if you do look at the numbers, I'm going to list off a couple little numbers for you real quick on Johnny Taves. Uh, over his last six games, he does have six points. However, he goes on kind of a bit of an alternating uh, streak. So uh, he had back-to-back points against those in those two games against Colorado. Uh, and then he went without one against St. Louis. Obviously, they were shut out. But then he had the game winner in Boston, had no points in New Jersey, and then had the three-point performance against the Coyotes uh, Sunday night. So I'm going to avoid the captain. I think he's going to be... Uh, maybe kept off the score sheet tomorrow night. But a guy that I'm feeling really good about because his style of play just matches up really well against this Vegas Golden Knights team. Obviously, you guys know I love him. I'm probably the biggest advocate for him on the entire face of this earth. I will probably die on that hill one day, and I'm okay with that. I'm going to go ahead and take Mr. Brandon Saad as my stick to click. Uh, It wouldn't be your brand if you didn't. So I'm happy you (laughs) did that. Uh, I'm going to go... I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Alex Debrinket, and I think that this point streak is gonna continue. Um, I've really enjoyed seeing him putting pucks in the net, uh, pretty goals too. Not just not, not not dirty goals or anything like that. You know, it's it's been snipes and top shelf shit, and I like that, and I want to see it continue. Uh, let's let's keep this point streak alive, and uh, keep it rolling here. So I'm going Alex Debrinket for my stick to click. All right, Ron, I don't know if you've got anything else, but if you want to close it out with any final thoughts here for the listeners, 
uh, before we uh, close this down for the night. Yeah, just a quick one. Um, maybe a little bit of an honorable mention. I think keep an eye on Kirby Doc. For some reason, teams think that they can match up well against him and allow um, you know them to play their own four lines against him, and he just torches four lines right now. So I'd say he's honorable mention probably for stick to click. Um, and just enjoy enjoy more Blackhawks hockey. Hopefully they continue to play the way they've played. They're playing these really good teams really hard, uh, which is certainly encouraging. Obviously they beat Boston, which Boston's the best team in the NHL, um, so that's no joke. And then obviously keep an eye out for the two youngsters being called up in Bokvist and Highmore. I think an injection of youth and speed could be good for this team right now with all the injuries. So uh, outside of that, though, that's all I've got. So how about you, sir? Any quick thoughts before we uh, get out of here in our usual fashion? Yeah, uh, my thoughts here. I know I predicted a loss, but I think this is a winnable game for the Hawks. I don't want it to be all doom and gloom. I think this is a very, very winnable game for the Blackhawks. In order to do that, you just have to play like you did against Boston and kind of shut stuff down early and, and control the pace of play. Um, Vegas is going to be out there on home ice, you know, and, and it it sounds very cliche, Ron score first and take Mm -hmm. the crowd out of it. I think that that's something that's going to be very important here. Score first, take the crowd out of it because you're going to get a lot of travelers. The Blackhawks travel very well when it comes to Vegas. There's a lot of people who are going to be there in red sweaters. Let's get those guys excited. This could feel like a home game for you. If you get out there, you get on the board early, get those travelers and those 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 Chicago transplants who are coming out to see you play involved early and, and treat this like a home game because it's very doable. I expect a very large Blackhawk fan presence in that arena tomorrow night. And if the Hawks can, can do like I said and just get on the board first, I think that's how you start to carry that momentum. Don't fade in the third. We talked about this a lot early on in the season don't fade in that third period if you come out and play strong in that third with the lead and hold it <laughs> taking a little bit of more step than you've done against some of these other teams we saw it in boston we saw it against arizona don't let these teams creep back in these games i know it's easier said than done when you don't have duncan keith anchoring that blue line but you got to find ways to control the puck throughout that third period and don't allow them when that when you're when you're weathering the storm you can't give up stupid goals or make bad passes and, and create turnovers that lead to scoring chances for Vegas. It's going to be hard to do, but they have to figure out a way to get done. And there is a path to victory here. I think it's going to be a close game, like I said. could go either way. I'm just predicting Vegas, but I see this as a very winnable game for the Hawks. That's all I have, Ron. I love it. I love it a lot. Tony. <sighs> Tony's just, just to, finishing. Just finishing up the Budweiser here as we as we roll it out there. Ron, if you're looking for sports news, where are you going? Well, ladies and gentlemen, you are going to want to come visit us at ONTAP Sports Net. Uh, you can find us on the interwebs at www.ontapsportsnet.com. We are the best home for all of your literature and podcasting needs, wants, and desires about all your favorite Chicago sports teams. Catch great White Sox coverage, Cubs coverage. Winter meetings are in big swing now, so that's going to be really hot for us at On Tap. The Blackhawks and Bulls are obviously in full swing. And yes, the Bears 
they still have a chance to make the playoffs, even though it's about 2%, but they still have a chance. So catch all of that and more at www.ontapsportsnet.com. You can also find us on all the social media platforms at ontapsportsnet. That is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The ONTAP Sports Network, go ahead and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Ron, I'm so glad I got to hear that tonight. That made my night. I love I love the <laughs> plug. It it just it sends chills down my spine when I hear you do that. Love it, Ron. Ron, I'm gonna close this out how we always do. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.